All right, welcome. This is the Illinois Valley Alternative Podcast. This is an Ivy Pod production. You can find us at ivypod.com. We are Ivy Pod on Facebook, Ivy Podcast on Twitter, and mail at ivypod is our email. Oh, and we are on Google Plus again. Let's begin episode 58 of the Illinois Valley Alternative Podcast. Hello, Clayton. Hi, John. How's it going? Very well, sir. Very well. I'm excited. I mean, normally we start these podcasts and you never know what's going to happen. You don't know if it's going to be good, bad, ugly, who knows. But we know for a fact that tonight's going to be a good show. That is correct, sir. (laughs) Yes, we have already done some work. And that work tells us we, we did an interview and it turned out very good. Our first face-to-face sit-down interview it was uh, awesome. Yeah, we, we'll have that here in in just a few moments. Yeah, but um, we're sticking to our normal format, so we're gonna do our intros and and then we'll, we're gonna give you our nice interview that we did with uh, Mark Bolzinski. I don't want to give it up too early, I guess, but oh yeah, that's cool. And and then we're gonna do our tweets and everything else. So we do have two sponsors tonight, John. We have the Music Machine out of lovely LaSalle. They're top DJ service in the Illinois Valley and have been for 23 years. You, we, you've heard us talk about them before. You, you can go to their website if you're if you have a wedding or an event. They're experts at weddings and, and other events. They they do the Dreamwave Wrestling. They help them with their sound and audio and all the services that they need for that. You can uh, go to their website mmdjpros.com and actually plug in a date if you had one in mind and see if they're open. So yeah. Check them out, uh, mmdjpros.com. And our uh, second sponsor for tonight is Kermarsic Law Offices, Attorney Doug. We've, he's been a longtime sponsor. So, yeah, if you need legal help, which you know, unfortunately people need from time to time, Doug's someone that you could trust. Uh, he'll aggressively fight for you. He's quality-driven, quality-focused, um, even-headed, nice guy at, all the way around. It, his, his offices are in uh, Utica, and you can – Look them up online. It's commerciclaw.com. So, you got anything to add, John? No, that's it. Uh, we thank them for their support. Mm-hmm. Yeah, first the, double sponsor. So, thanks a lot, guys. Definitely awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. So, the show. We won't waste too much time. We want to jump into this interview. Uh, we actually it was just last night. Uh, Mark came to my place. Right. And we set up shop there. It was kind of different. We had never done it before. Right. And it was wacky. You know, the room that we recorded in was Acoustically not... uh, challenged. Yes, <laughs> acoustically challenged is right. So it was done in the dining room. And I, so I just, we moved all sorts of stuff into that room to try to absorb sound and right. made blankets all over. It was goofy, but yeah. uh, it sort of worked. It sort of worked. But uh, if the sound quality is a little bit odd, you know, sorry, yeah, we're working on it. Bear with us. Give us a break. But, um, <laughs> we are working on it. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. It'll be so, a work in progress. I think. I think our interview went very well. Uh, he's a local historian and star rock kind of connoisseur. Uh, he he was. Uh, do we want to give away all this, John? Am I, am I, I? I think you could give a little preview. Sure. Okay. He he was uh, worked in for Illinois Department of Natural Resources and Conservation Police for 25 years. Is now retired and is a volunteer out 
at Starve Rock, does guided tours, um, wrote two books, or wrote three books, has two of them published. You can stop me if I if I mess up any oh, of these details, John. I think you got it right. Uh, he's a, did you mention he's a teacher? Yeah, too? no, I see. I, he's, he's got a pretty spectacular resume. So, yeah, he teaches classes at IV, uh, History of Western Civilization, uh, one and two, uh, criminal yeah, justice courses. Yeah, philosophy. philosophy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I never did take that. I, I always thought that would be one that I would enjoy. I did. I enjoyed it. it you took it at yeah. IV, right? Yep, yep. It was good. Yeah. I, mean, I can't remember the teacher's name, but it was a, it was an enjoyable class. I remember – I mean I I don't remember the, the teacher's name, but I remember hearing of them. So And the people that had it seemed to like it. So You could tell he's a really intelligent – he's a great guest. I think we probably could have done two hours if – Oh, easy. Yeah. So we so, just didn't, uh, we didn't, you know, know how long to let her go. We seemed like <laughs> we had a pretty good, we got, we got out what we wanted. That was for sure. So, um, yeah. But before we jump into the interview, I, uh, I wanted to read through this really quick. Yeah. Because John. one of the things, yeah, because one of the things that, or reasons that we wanted to have him on is because he's, there's been newspaper articles about him because his latest book, it's basically challenging the common, uh, lore or legends. stories, legends, yeah, the legends of Starved Rock, and and there's been so many different legends about the place. Right. But just to kind of set the uh, tone, yeah. I was going to read through one of these legends really quick, sure. as fast as Sit I can. Sit back, relax, yeah. uh, get yeah. something to drink. John's <laughs> okay. going to tell you guys a story. <laughs> exactly. All right, a long time ago, in a place far, far away, uh, Starved Rock obtained its name from a legendary incident that occurred in the 1760s when a small village of 500 Illinois Indians uh, still lived in this area. During this time, the dominant tribe was the Ottawa Indians, who controlled the Potawatomi and Fox Indians and lived upriver from here. The chief of the Ottawa Indians, Pontiac, went to the southern part of the state to negotiate some trade agreements with the French and was murdered by an Illinois Indian from this area. When word got back to the Potawatomi and Fox, they were out to avenge their leader's death. They paddled down the river and attacked the Illinois village by the Great Rock. A fierce battle went on for several days. During the battle, the Illinois tribe was reduced by half. The Potawatomi and Fox went back to regroup, and the Illinois knew that they, if they were to survive, they would have to abandon their village. They decided to seek refuge on top of the Great Rock. When the Potawatomi and Fox returned, they surrounded the base of the rock. They peri- periodically went to the top of Devil's Nose. forgot to ask where Devil's Nose is. I never heard of that. But anyway, uh, they showered the Illinois with arrows. As the Illinois grew more desperate, they tried to sneak off the rock at night, but all that attempted it were killed. Eventually, all the Illinois Indians at the top of the rock starved, and ever since, the site has been called Starved Rock. Very dramatic, John. I tried. That was a reading from John on the <laughs> legend of Starve Rock. So yeah, now it's just that a legend. So yeah, it's just a legend. So I guess I guess let's let's jump into it. Yeah, sounds you good, ready? John. Yeah, enjoy. Here we go. Here we are. 
Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, listening. Our first face-to-face interview. This is exciting. And with us here, Mark Walzinski, local historian. Uh, actually, here are a whole lot of things here. I, the list goes on and on. <laughs> so, well, let's let's start with how this all came to be. You know, I saw the article in the News Tribune and mm-hmm. started researching some stuff and found there's, there's articles, all sorts of articles about you. So, uh, uh, they're like, we got to try to talk to this guy. This is awesome. So, mm-hmm. thanks for coming here. And oh, glad to be here. Yeah, glad cool. This is, this is weird. You know, I know the people at home are, are listening on their iPods or whatever are like, well, this is just like any other podcast, but to us it's different. Yeah. For three years we've been podcasting, we've never actually done a sit down like this, so this is kind of cool. But and, and that reminds me, I gotta thank our sponsors for our cool mics that we're using right. today. But yeah, thanks for coming here. I guess uh, where should we start? I guess a little bit of background first. You know, you I saw here you have been 25 years with the Department of Natural Resources, mm-hmm. right? That's and, uh, correct. And uh, retired now. Mm-hmm. And uh, although I'm surprised, you seem pretty young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just kind of worked out that way. Thank yeah. goodness. Yeah, I was I was carted until I was 30 years old. Yeah, when I ran too. with the by beer, so it's <laughs> and that's fine because hopefully I'll look younger as they age. As well, so. Cool. You are you worked as an officer then for the Department of Natural Resources, I take it. Yes, correct. Yeah, Illinois Na- uh, Department of Natural Resources. It's a it's a, it's a small agency, but it has a lot of tentacles. Okay. There's a division of lands, which is all the state parks. You have the division of wildlife, division of fisheries. Uh, the state museums are all run by the Department of Natural Resources. Um, and then, like any state agency, it has its own police department. And that's what I work That's who I work for. I work for the Illinois Conservation Police, uh, it's, which is actually the oldest statewide agency, law enforcement agency in Illinois, oh. founded in uh, 1885. And so I worked there 25 years and uh, felt that it was time to move on to other things. So here Sounds we go. like you got pretty busy with... Uh, writing and uh, <laughs> researching and everything else. So it's awesome. So I guess to give everybody a little bit of background, um, what caught my eye anyway is the recent stories because uh, you've got a new book you've just wrote. That's correct. Yeah, it's called uh, Massacre 1769, The Search for the Origin of the Legend of Star Rock. And this isn't your first book, right? No, uh, it's my second one. Actually, Well, actually, uh, uh, I have another one. See, these were written quite a while ago. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, I saw somewhere uh, 10 years in the making for this yes. book. Yeah. And uh, I have another one uh, that we're trying to get published right now. And, and there's a lot that goes with that. Um, when you research something 10 years ago, you think you have the facts straight, but then you'll run into an archaeological report or something or something, and wow, I guess it wasn't quite right after all. Now I've got to reassess this, and, and uh, there's a lot of that. Plus, it's who you want to, to, to publish your work. Mm-hmm. as well. Um, my first book, which is called uh, Star of Rock State Park, The First 100 Years, I did that um, for the Star of Rock Foundation, Star of Rock Educational Historical Foundation, what they are, the volunteer group for the park, and they uh, have a bookstore. They The money that they get from the bookstore stays at the park to buy the park uh, equipment and things that they wouldn't normally have. So I wrote, it, wrote that book for them for Star of Rock. So right. whatever money is made will stay to the park. That's so right. that wasn't that wasn't necessarily a, one of my big contributions, but it is a, a nifty little book. Yeah. But this one here, I started on this one in about 2003, and um, the target keeps moving. When you just about think you have it, then something will 
surface something that, boy, it wasn't really like that after all now, was it? So uh, between that and getting a good publisher, this book is published by the Center for uh, French Colonial Studies, which is an international scholarly group from France, Canada, United States, and they uh, research um, through archaeology, linguistics, and different different uh, fields like that, uh, the, the French history in the New World. So you have a you have a, a lot of contacts that investigate different ways of kind of going back on history. So the archaeology, the linguistics thing, I think that kind of is interesting sure. how that could tie in. And sure. That's neat. Um, yeah, I'm fortunate. And um, it's one of the things where uh, it's not that I have that much knowledge per se. Uh, research is finding new stuff and continuing to open up new doors and avenues into knowledge. And I'm very fortunate to have, for example, um, one of my colleagues, Michael McCafferty from Indiana University, he and a couple of other individuals are rebuilding the extinct Illinois Miami Indian language. And uh, really? the last native speakers died out in oh, maybe the 19, late 1950s or so, and even they weren't fluent in the Miami, Illinois uh, okay, language. Okay, so how do you build a language when nobody is left to speak it? Ah, it's pretty interesting. <laughs> what, what they did is they go back to the, the French missionary records when Father Marquette, uh, Father Gravier, Father Alouaise, when they first came to the Illinois country in the 1670s and then the 1680s, um, as, as Jesuit missionaries, Catholic missionaries, they came to convert the tribes to Catholicism. Sure. And the only way that they could do that was to be able to speak their language okay. very well. So they took meticulous notes on, on Illinois words. Uh, matter of fact, Father Gravier in 1688 began uh, the first Miami, Illinois slash French dictionary. So he these people did the hard work at first. They even put numbers in words to make specific sounds. And so they did the did that hard work at first so the next group of Jesuits that come out will have this this, this basis of knowledge of the of the Indian language. So um, what these linguists do, they go back and they look at these actual words in French and there's a lot of things that we know now about the Illinois people we know a lot about them, the actual place names, what they mean, and uh, linguistics is is the future of history, learning yeah. history. Awesome. Before we started, you know, we were looking at this paragraph we read before the before we started this interview, and you, you noted that the only thing uh, factual in it is the word starved rock. Are, are you telling me the local legend or one of the these legends that surround Star Rock are not completely true? Well, it's all legends, regardless of who told them or where they're from, are based in some sort of fact. You can trace it down to some story. It might not have been an army of 100,000. It might have been <laughs> a small group of guys with baseball bats yeah. or something <laughs> like that. But in time, um, the, native, the native people who lived here, they didn't have an alphabet which means they had an oral tradition. Um, to be able to write things down, if they needed an alphabet, they would have had one. Sure. They had no use for it, so they didn't build one. They didn't They didn't need one. Um, a written alphabet, that is. And so in that culture, you, 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 you transmit information orally, and it's just like the telephone game. It mm -hmm. tends to, at in time, tends to change into a little bit something else, and and uh, especially if people's characters are involved, sometimes they can really 
do the old switcheroo. Right. So um, when the first Americans come here into the Starve Rock area, LaSalle County area, um, mid to late 1820s, they heard this story from some of the local Indians. And uh, some of these Indians said that, yes, not only did this happen, I was there as a young boy. And another another one said, not only did it happen, I led the allies <laughs> against the Illinois Indians. Ah, okay. And so then when the first settlers got a hold of it, now that's the time when Abraham Lincoln um, was was in the fighting in the Black Hawk War in 1832. So the best way, two best ways to become somebody famous in politics is to, number one, join the military, mm-hmm. or do some something in the military world. Number two was to be able to tell a good tale. <laughs> okay. Okay. That was, sure. that, that was what happened in those days. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah. If you could, if you could spread story of legend, like that's how George Washington became George Washington, right? Not saying he didn't have a, he wasn't a good military leader, but the story of George Washington spread sure. law, you know, all around, and sure. he became the Sometimes first president. Sometimes the story, yeah, becomes mm-hmm. far right. more grand than what right. they actually did. Sure. And even even people, even if a story, even if you were there, you might tell it differently ten years later than you did the day after it happened because oh, gosh, yeah. you get you get better at it and hey that guy really's eating up that little part there. See if I can <laughs> well, yeah. see if I can and that and that I can't imagine would be different if you're like a Native American type. You're and they you have an oral tradition and based sure. on storytelling. Sure. Well that So one thing that and I don't wanna like take away from the book. Sure. You know, we definitely want people to get the book, if they're interested Amazon. in that, yes, mm-hmm. and that's that. Before we go any further, that's a good question or a good thing you brought up. Where can people get the book? Uh, you can buy it at Amazon. The Book Mouse in Ottawa has it for sale. Um, uh, Star Rock Visitor Center okay. has it. Uh, uh, some local place, but mainly, um, I don't. I'm not involved much with the with the distribution of the book. The Center for French Colonial Studies is, and they basically put it on an Amazon site. But some local bookstores mm-hmm. do are carrying it. Okay. The book mouse cool. is a good uh, resource for a lot of local yes. authors. Yes, it is. I saw in a couple of these stories. Now, again, not to take away from the book, but I've seen a few times. Like in one story, it was like the, I think we, the one we read earlier. There was the leader who was killed, which caused this big battle. And then in another one, I think I read there was a girl, maybe the the chief's daughter or something, mm-hmm. might have got killed, and that led to it. <laughs> Did, but there was a battle. Was, would that at least be? Well, we don't know. Um, Unfortunately, before Labor Day weekend of 1673, we really don't know whatever happened around here Mm -hmm. because um, they're Native Americans. and That's why um, the term that we use called prehistoric Illinois. Prehistoric Illinois was just about every every time, all time before Labor Day weekend of 1673. And it was that weekend when Father Marquette, Louis Joliet, and their a uh, small entourage came up the Illinois River, saw things, and started writing them down. Yeah. Oh, there's an Indian village right here, 74 cabins that relates to uh, 1,450 people, you know. Uh, and so, um, but we do know since that time, in the year 1684, for example, that there was a siege on Starve Rock. Okay. The, the Iroquois Indians came from western New York State and, and uh, surrounded the fort. Fort St. Louis, which was built on top of Star Rock. There were uh, 24 French, 22 Native Americans inside the fort, and after a six-day siege, left. Yeah. Uh, and 1722, there was another siege. The Fox Indians came and surrounded the Peoria Indians who were living at Star Rock okay. at that time. So uh, we do know that there were several sieges 
but this one here we have a we wanted to investigate it for <laughs> yeah sure sure I you know you brought up the fort that's up on top of Starbrock is that uh, the picture that you have on your website that kind of looked like something that was supposed to be that because I know it's not there anymore I was just wondering what is that picture of that's okay there's, there's two forts one of them and, and, and at the home page the one with the cannons yeah that's Fort Deschart okay down in southern Illinois okay okay, um, okay. The other one, uh, one of the other pages has the, um, uh, it's a diorama that we have in the Star Rock Visitor Center, right. which is using period documents is a reconstruction of what the fort probably looked like. Gotcha. And I have okay. that one on there as well. Yes. All right. I there saw were, the, there were French forts all over Illinois. I, it's interesting. When I saw that one picture, you know, I didn't think, the first thing I thought of was just, did I miss that? I've been to Starbrock uh, you know, a thousand <laughs> plus times. I've never seen sure. this before. <laughs> but you've been walking by it all these yeah, years. Yeah, what the heck? But uh, that was one thing that I, you know, in getting ready for this podcast, sure. that was it was uh, interesting. Despite hiking at Starbrock, because we talk about it frequently on this podcast, because it's just one it's of a the, great place. It's a great yeah. place. It's like I call it the jewel of this, the Illinois Valley, because it's like. It's one of the coolest agree. things we have here. Yes, it one is. of our first episodes was the uh, we we kind of crack jokes about the people that go off the trail and fall. Yes, and it always seems like yes. they're folks from the suburbs. And yes, we made yeah. a joke and oh, they don't know what they're doing. We also realized that there's a lot more of them there than there is local folks. Oh, so that's sure. probably the reason why they're <laughs> yeah. the ones. Higher, higher <laughs> percentages. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I was I was interested or kind of shocked because despite going there and being familiar with all the trails and hiking mm-hmm. and everything. I don't know a lot about the actual real history, and I don't think many people do. I well, that's that's my job, and that's that's what I try to do. I address uh, a bit of that in this book here, uh, the third book that I have. At, um, we're trying to get published now. That one has an in-depth. It's about 300 pages. It's called really? The Ship of Conky, which is the El- Miami, Illinois word for a big rock bluff like Star Rock. Cool. And... Uh, all the chapters are in the Miami, Illinois language, and um, there we have to we have to go a little bit farther around Star Rock. Uh, one of the largest Native American campments in the United States was right across the river from Star Rock and about a mile upstream by the Halfway House. That's a state archaeological site, historic site known as the Grand Village of the Illinois uh, Historic Site. There, between 1683 and 1689, there and right around the Star Rock area were approximately 20,000 Native Americans who lived in what history calls LaSalle's Colony. Okay. So it's yeah. uh, quite a bit of history. This is, I knew we were going to be learning all sorts <laughs> yeah. of stuff at this podcast. This is awesome. Sure. Well, if you were to, when you drive through the Illinois Valley or, and you think of it, I try to envision how it was when the settlers came and obviously had been inhabited mm-hmm. by Native Americans long mm-hmm. before that. I try to picture, well, if I had to pick a place to live, where would I want to be? And you can sort of get an idea just, you know, up the, you know, you don't want to be too close. Maybe you want to be near the water, but you want to be, you know, make sure, sure. you don't get flooded or, and you can see, you can see where the good places would be. And that's where the communities are now, but not right. necessarily every community, you know, so for Utica and, and it's, it's neat. Mm-hmm. So when you're finding out all these different, uh, you know, you're you're studying the facts of what actually happened. Mm-hmm. When you present that to people at Starbrock or maybe other historians, or mm-hmm. is there a is there a pushback? Like do people like won't accept it because that's destroying the lore of Starbrock. You know, I 
Yeah, yeah, I've, I've received hate mail before. And really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I got a nice little card one time from a, someone from Ottawa who uh, called me names and said her grandfather had a book that said something else and I was an idiot. So, well, great. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, history um, always but, rewrites itself. But, yeah. Yeah. Re, not, well, that's not necessarily what I meant to say, but sometimes people, you think things are one way, but it's always changing. It's always fluid. Exactly, yeah. and that's the nature of knowledge. Right. I look at history as being a science. And science uh, is never a conclusion. Science is always an approach. No matter how good you got it, no matter how pinpoint accurate, it's still somebody's going to come by later on and make it more accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I when I graduated from high school back in 1975, if you were to take one of those high school textbooks then and read it now, you'd probably get a couple good laughs. Yeah, sure. And people are going to do that with our high school textbooks. 40 years from now too right. so it's a constantly it's it, it's a constant uh, it's not that rewriting the history isn't an indictment on the people that wrote it before oh, no, and that's no, what no, people no. it's not a personal thing it's they're we're doing what you did we just know more now yeah and we, it's okay yeah we have we have uh, archaeology uh, for example uh, back archaeology is a new science in it's really 130 years old here in the United States if even that uh, I mean, real archaeology, and right. and and the people who wrote the earliest history, they had none of that. They didn't have archaeology. They didn't have linguists that knew the Miami Illinois language. They didn't have. Uh, uh, they had to sail to France on a vessel and go to a, the National Library in Paris. They don't even know what they're looking for. <laughs> And find somebody that can read 17th century French and hope to piece together. And now, from my computer, I can go to the, the Glenn Black uh, Miami Ethno History Files, which have the the same documents translated in perfect English, uh, Wisconsin Historical Collections, Illinois Historical Collections, and I can get stuff from from my home computer ten times more accurate planer and, 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 and in order and categorized, those, those people never had that. Right. So I, I, I give them a lot of credit for what they had, you know, what they had yeah, to work with. what they with. had to work with, exactly. And you teach, do you, is this the kind of content that you teach out at IBCC? No, or actually, actually, yeah. Different? Yeah, I teach uh, several uh, criminal justice courses, inter- Introduction to Criminal Justice, uh, Criminology and Policing in America. And I teach uh, Introduction to Philosophy and uh, Western Civilization One and Western Civilization Two. Okay. So the, that history, and believe it or not, the same rules and principles apply. And um, and number one, you know, be skeptical. Mm-hmm. Don't don't believe anything until you can actually prove things. And so uh, a lot of that studying Western Civilization primarily. Uh, even the Reformation, for example, I have a couple classes on the Protestant Reformation because that's shortly after that is when the Jesuits were formed. So you can see in that kind of context who these people were, and they're the ones who came to Illinois first. Right. And so you know what's in their minds and what's going through their head when you look at people, when you look at places like Star Rock. Sure. So it, it's, it's helped me in my research here. Okay, cool. So are you a pretty tough teacher then? Western Civ, I remember those classes. Mr. There. Alvin. Uh, Alvin, yeah, we had him. I remember those. those were, I enjoyed those classes I like, a lot. I like that class, too. I just remember they were essay question tests. Yeah, and that was yeah, always and tough to prepare I, I give for. those, yeah. yeah well, that's, how you understand, that's how you 
determine if the, there was understanding. I would just think that makes your job a lot harder to have to read all those essays. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I'm sure you <laughs> get some comical answers there. And then, and then someone, you're kind of close to the answer. Uh, not quite. So what do you do with that? You know what I mean? Right. So, so uh, I, my, my, my mission, if you can call it that, is just I want people, when they leave the class, they want to be able to have a certain number of things that they'll always be able to recall. Sure. You know, and if I can do that, it's like when you read a book, you spend a month reading a really good history book, you close it up, it's, okay, what did I learn from that? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I can't remember. Well, this. <laughs> you know, if, if I can do that and I'm successful, then... Then good, I, I did my job, or I tried anyway. So. Yeah. What was your education background then? Actually, uh, my four-year degree is in uh, behavioral science, and then I had master's plus, and then that's in uh, history and philosophy. So my education cool. was actually one way, but what where I derived my paycheck was right. a different way. Sure. And so uh, when I left the state, that's why I wanted to go back and actually do the things that I had meant to learn. Right. To do. So, with with your history, you're working at IV. How long have you been teaching? Uh, going. On, I'm on my fifth year. Cool. Uh, they're they're a great bunch of people over there. I I can't say. Uh, I just they're just great. They treated me fantastic. The staff there is, is fantastic. And uh, did you kudos. find that after um, teaching for a couple of years, you got a good rhythm? I mean, you, do you have a good uh, syllabus and you know how it's going to go? And I, mean, I know it's always ongoing. It's always changing. But do you feel a lot more comfortable now that you've been doing it a little while? I think I'm finally starting to get it. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't know. Like I say, I don't know how I'm doing. Uh, I, um, you don't know. I, I'm, I'm my toughest critic right. sure. when it comes to that. And I I always wonder what what can I do better? How can I change this? What can I do? And I don't know. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, I I did a graduate teaching. I had a t- classes I taught at I. You know, I can agree mm-hmm. with that. You you walk out of a class and you're like, I think that went okay, but you did don't I know what the with perception it? Yeah, is. Or did I? You know, did I complete? You know when you didn't. Right. You, you know, you know when you bomb. Blind stares. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know yeah. when you bomb out, but mm-hmm. you, 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 drool you, coming off the side of their mouth. Yeah. I. I you probably get you, there's some sort of feedback you get I'm sure and I bet yeah we get it we get evaluations but um, you know it, it just I, I don't know it's it's there's you know there's form and then there's substance so I don't know how how effective <sighs> I don't know yeah but, you know and, and I guess I'll never know because I wish I could go back to, to some of my community college instructors and professors I had sure. 35 years ago. Because uh, it's only been a year or two when something that they said really clicked, yeah. and sure. I know they've probably been dead for twenty years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and I wish I could say, "Man, was I wrong?" and "Man, were you right?" But you well, know, hopefully it's, they're it listening to this podcast. Yeah. I hope so. I Somewhere cool. out there. <laughs> so be, uh, besides teaching, you also volunteer at the the park. Yeah, that's correct. I work the uh, uh, at the at the, uh, the uh, Star of Rock Foundation. There, we man the. Uh, uh, the information desk. We give guided hikes. The park uh, has have a bookstore that, uh, uh, as I said before, um, uh, sells books. Proceeds stay at the park sure. to buy the park uh, uh, things that it would normally not be able to, to afford, uh, and uh, just do a lot of all around good things there. So Star Rock Foundation, a good bunch of folks. So what what is the status of the the park now? And, and uh, given Illinois' financial constraints, and what is the uh, what's the perception of the folks that volunteer and work out there? Obviously, you, you're volunteering, but mm-hmm. um, 
is there, I mean, do you guys, is there some worry that the funding will start to get cut? And the, I know some of the infrastructure may be deteriorating, and what, I mean, just kind of giving us an overview of what, what's the status now. Well, it's hard to, I, I can't speak for the DNR, but I'll, I, I can tell you what my observations are and what I've seen in the, in my time with the, with the uh, DNR is that agency, uh, it's quite an organization, let me tell you. Just about everybody who works for it wanted to, do that when they grew up. Mm-hmm. It has that uh, good quality personnel, and even in good times, the place was run on a shoestring. It just never had a lot of money for anything. And uh, uh, when certain parks may have had, you know, 25 people at time working now, some of them are down to six. Some of them only have one part-time person. I mean, they used to have a full-time staff, and. Uh, it, the the, par- the parks won't close. That that'll okay, that's sure. not that's not going to happen. Okay. Uh, especially when you take yeah. a place like Star of Rock. There's a there's a lodge and yeah. and that and included too. And a lot of people come to Star of Rock and never go to Star of Rock. They <laughs> go to a wedding at the lodge or sure. they go to a, uh, some kind of convention at the lodge. So uh, and it brings a lot of money to places like Utica and Oglesby. Right. Um, a lot of businesses are completely dependent mm-hmm. on the parks. So. Um, what the future is, you know, uh, it'll, it'll be there. Good. Yeah, okay, so. that's good to hear. That's, that's good, good reassurance. Yeah. Yes, I'm a frequent visitor out there. I don't sure. want to see anything happen. Me too. I, <laughs> I love that place. Just to think, I mean, people, especially if you're not from around here, I tell them, you got to go hiking out there because you just can't believe it. You, you, you're here, mm-hmm. cornfields everywhere, uh, soybeans, and then all of a sudden there's these beautiful bluffs and canyons. You just... Yes, it's indeed. so odd mm-hmm. that it would be right there, but it's there, and we're lucky to mm-hmm. have it. Um, oh, I had a question. <laughs> this is on our doc. Sure. So, <laughs> with your time with the DNR, I, I had a, I had a, a note here because, I mean, I would imagine you have to see some wacky stuff out there. People being silly, <laughs> uh, just goofy youngins. Because I know that, uh, well, we were young. Once, sure. Not that we're old now, but uh, we did some goofy stuff out there. I know that. So, do you see what's, what's like the wackiest thing you can think of that you encountered oh on your time there? Uh, <laughs> I don't know how I can narrow that down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, There's so many. See, most of even though I uh, we're I work for the Illinois State Conservation Police, everywhere in the state that we work. It's a it's a different job. Southern Illinois, you're mainly uh, fishing game because they really don't have state parks uh, down there to patrol like we have up here. If you work in the uh, Chicago area, you're on a 37 foot boat out on Lake Michigan during sure. the summer and during the winter. You're doing uh, boat tidal frauds and you know that those types of investigation. Here at Star Rock, most of what we do revolves around Star Rock because it's public safety oriented. Um, God, I. <laughs> I, I've 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 handled a lot of different. I would imagine and dealing I, with people climbing where they shouldn't be climbing. Yeah, we've probably. had that. We've we've had. Did you have? Were you involved when the people were caught? Um, was it ginseng when they're harvesting ginseng yeah. out of the park? I remember that was a story yeah. a while ago. Yeah, we had. Uh, uh, Which is illegal to take anything out of the park. That yeah, sure. and and that. see, there's a that ginseng is a a very valuable natural. Mm-hmm. Root. Uh, plant, root, yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, we have some people uh, that come to the park and they take it. And see, in Illinois, it's, it's ginseng is uh, is uh, pretty intensely regulated. You have to have a license 
to harvest it. Number two, it can only be harvested during the ginseng season. And that season is because there are certain kinds of berries that grow on the plant. Okay. And if you, you cannot pick a ginseng plant that's under 10 years old. Okay. And you can you can tell that because it'll have four sprouts coming out of the ground. When you do pick it, those berries have to be immediately replanted within a few inches of the parent plant. There's a lot of regulation. Wow. You can only sell that to a licensed ginseng dealer. It's, inter, it's There's international treaties and laws pertaining to ginseng. Huh. Wow. Well, uh, the part of the world where these folks come from uh, there is no more ginseng. It's gone. And uh, we've had people f- come from Asia to come to, to Matheson and Star Rock State Park just really? to take the ginseng. And when they take it, they take everything. There's, so there's there, it's gone. Left it it's gone. So um, wow. the proper ginseng management uh, is, is fine. That's why we have it today. I mean, you you actually will you'll continue to perpetuate it. It will be more and more and more if you do it the right way. Right. But if you come in and take it all, take the berries, take the leaves, take the roots... And especially when when the plant is not mature, then um, it, it'll be gone. So it was, oh. even though people might say, "Boy, that's a just all that fuss over," yeah, because this is a this is an international internationally protected species that's right. in the same uh, sure. not quite the same category, but the same classification of. Yeah, elephant tusks and right, rhino right. horns and and sure. that whole that whole bear gall bladders and things like that, and. Um, and it's got to be protected, and they're coming here to exploit it. And if we don't do something about it, it'll be wiped out. Wow. Wow. Okay. Have you ever had incidences where people maybe took artifacts out of the park that you were able to catch up with folks, like uh, arrowheads or things like that? I mean, that's <laughs> a... Yeah. We, had, uh, we made the largest artifact theft case in uh, state history in 1992. My partner, Scott Travi, and I, um, there was a man who was collecting, stealing the artifacts for... Uh, about 22 years. Uh, it's violations of the Archaeological and Paleontological Resource Protection Act, the Human Grave Protection Act. Sure. There is a lot of important places and, and sites in the Star Rock area, but we fiercely guard those places because that's all that's left. The city right. of Chicago is sitting on an archaeological site that'll never be. Uh, and it's not like it's it's not a sacred place or anything like that. I mean, what's what exactly does that mean? But what we do know is that um, there was a lot of human activity for 10,000 years, everything from tools to, to then 2,000 years ago, pottery, different types of ceramics. When the French came here, they had certain types of uh, material that they used. And if you take all the stone artifacts or take all the ceramic artifacts from an area... For example, it'd be like, what if I took all the plumbing and wiring out of your house? What does that tell you about the people who lived in this house? Well, they're a beautiful structure, but they're very primitive. They didn't have... I gotcha. You know, so the artifacts really aren't worth anything. Good, $2 for this point, $2 for that. But the historical value... It can't be replaced. It's a piece of a puzzle that you're trying to... Exactly, and that's what archaeologists do. And archaeology in Illinois, when they come to a site... Uh, we get confused by watching the History Channel where they're in Greece and they're in Egypt and doing yeah. all this. That's not real archaeology. That's it. that's something big, big, big. But in but in Illinois, they're looking at an archaeological site for a little teeny little piece here and a little teeny little piece there. And they compare those teeny little pieces with some teeny little pieces from over there and over there. And they see how they're similar, see how they're different. And then 
decades of doing that, then they're able to start reconstructing a culture. Mm-hmm. And when somebody comes in and takes those things, it's it's yeah. gone. I, I don't think there's an appreciation for that, just even locally here. I mean, I would probably say I would, I'm even guilty of that, you know, that thought process. Like, oh, what's the big deal? You know? Sure. Right. I mean, it's, it's perfectly legal to do on private property, as sure. long as you're not digging or digging a grave or anything like that. But when you come to a place like Star Rock, that was Native American Central. This Star Rock has been nearly, nearly continuously inhabited by man for 10,000 years. It's from from the uh, end of the glaciers when when those glaciers moved up, and people kind of filled in those right. areas. And from that time until today, we have an almost continuous habitation of people of some sort living living there. So uh, when you disturb those things, um, nothing good can come from it. And I saw that uh, uh, the Ottawa Times article. That uh, you were quoted as saying that there is no buried treasure there. out in Star Rock. <laughs> See that? I didn't even know that it was even a, a thought. A thought. Uh, yeah. This um, what happens is is that's those 1800s, the days of the 1800s, where Neil telling the story um, really got you far. The um, what happens is is a lot of these tales uh, came about 1850s, the 1870s. Uh, a local book written by Nehemiah Matson. He was a Bureau County historian. I think he came out to Bureau County, uh, 1836. Was a real estate person, and and uh, he wrote a couple of books about the local history of the area. And in some of them, he details Tanti's Gold, the legend of Tanti's Gold. Well, Tanti, Henry Tanti, was LaSalle's lieutenant. LaSalle was out doing things. Uh, left Tanti in charge, and. Um, it was based on the fur trade. They didn't have a currency, so everything was bought and sold by trade. Mm-hmm. In the beaver beaver hides, for example, um, before 1683 it was buffalo hides, but after 1683 it became beaver hides. And um, Tanti, as, as being the trader at the park and the administrator of a French fort, he had to keep the Indians from, from fighting each other, he had to recruit people to go fight other Indians in, in New York, and he was broke. He was absolutely <laughs> broke. So anybody thinks that he put any put any gold there. So, but what happened was, is people from the 1800s would go there and dig up the top of Star Rock, searching for this gold. So when the archaeologists come to Star Rock in the 1940s, they have this conundrum. They're saying that, see, if you have children, you can relate to this. That on Friday you can tell what your kids wore on Monday. It's at the bottom of the pile. Uh, and archaeology yeah. kind of works the same way. But what they're finding is that. In certain areas, the older cultural material that should be deper in the ground is on top. Because it was you know, dug up. And so, the, the so whole when you dig a hole, exactly. And so <laughs> they once they figured that one out, it kind of answered a few questions. So <laughs> there's that is. Wow. Is there it? Is there? Do you are you familiar with the? the I've heard people say that there could be treasure, not necessarily treasure, a capone or something in the black ball caves. Now that obviously oh, is more modern one, history. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I I I'm skeptical with every anything to do with El Capone in Illinois and sure. Abraham Lincoln because no matter where you go, they slept here. They right. Yeah. And yeah. Talk about gas right. for them. And sure. So talk I, about legend. Uh, yeah. Stories of legend, but yeah. that's interesting. Hey, there's there's all sorts of Star Rock legends and and um, it's interesting, but they're legends. We'd like to do some get into the 
the history of like the 20s, the Prohibition era in, in the local area. I think that would be some something that I'd like to look into maybe sure. get a show, but sure, it's interesting. Well, that's, that's interesting. Even like say even even at the park uh, when the Star of Rock Lodge was there, my first book. Uh, I never cared much for 20th century history because all four of my grandparents come from Poland and uh, they arrived here. It wasn't long that the Great Depression hit and uh, my mother told me horror stories about uh, uh, when they lived in right outside of Chicago how uh, the bread truck would come by every few days and dump out a load of moldy bread out in the street and people would run out and try to grab a loaf of this stuff and this is what they... Uh, subsisted on, and yeah. and there was there was war. There was my uncles killed in World War Two, and there's I don't like that Nothing stuff. I, that. I I just yeah. it, to me it's a it's a it's a I have no interest in that. You know, until I started doing some of my research for Star of Rock State Park first mm-hmm. 100 years, and one of the first things I saw was you know what people around here had automobiles. <laughs> Look at this picture I have in the book from from the day the park opened. In uh, 1912, May 1912, look at all these automobiles. People went on vacation. Star Rock had Star Rock State Park had one of the most modern campgrounds in the United States of America. This was the place to see. Matter of fact, just before the the Allied invasion of World War II in in Germany, where did the Army engineers practice to put down pontoon bridges? Star Rock. <laughs> so there's a lot of cool 20th century history too. In the 1920s, wow. especially, they made movies in 1913 at Star Rock. Wow. Uh, the American Film Company. That was before Hollywood. And there's a lot came. of that in your first book. Mm-hmm. That kind of that's oh, what's yeah. in your. Okay. Yeah. Well, then uh, that's still on Amazon too, right? Yeah. You can get oh, yeah. That. Yeah. All right. Or you can get so that at the, or you can get that at any of the the bookstores in Aim. Sure. And it's amazing. Uh, the Star Rock Lodge. Louis Armstrong, former Duke Ellington, uh, Guy Lombardo, and you know and the Royal Canadians. Uh, the group that really filled packed the house was Art Castles and the Castles in the Air. Never heard of them? No. They, no. they were number one. <laughs> cool. It was like a big band thing or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. nice. Huh. What? Well, they just said that the history in general, can you, you can go so many different directions with it, and there's always a story behind everything. And, yes, yes, indeed. And trying to yes. unearth it. I'm, I'm, I'm getting the feeling that we're going to have to try to see if we can get you to come sit down again sometime, because this is, sure. this is awesome. Cause, yeah, this is... Um, just just when I ask a question about, all of a sudden we're on ginseng, and we do five minutes on that. So, well, I, didn't know, I didn't know you'd have that much content. That was, I just, that was a blurb of something I had read and wondered if you had any insight sure. into it. Sure enough, you do. That's sure. amazing. Uh Good stuff. I, it, no, it's an it's, it's, it's a interesting place, and the DNR does the best what they can do with it. And uh, But mainly that history of Star Rock and the first couple miles around there is just... Um, we don't take us backseat to very many places, in, did, in my point of view. Did you have a... Was there anything that like inspired you young that kind of got you into being the... The research historian, yes, detective. Indeed. Yes, indeed. Because I know uh, when I when I read about this stuff, you may, reading your story and like what I've read online mm-hmm. just makes me think of like Indiana Jones. You know, it's just kind of the sort of thing. Well, I, actually, that's uh, that's probably the I, when I put in my bio there on my on my website, uh, I was 14 year old kid, light about my age, so I was 16, making two dollars an hour cash, working for a landscaper. I was in Flossmoor, Illinois. Nice that's where all the rich folks lived where mm-hmm. I grew up. And uh, digging a hole in the ground and clunk. I'm like, what the heck is this? So I behind this garage, I and oh my goodness gracious, there's this rock about this big and this is something man made. I didn't know what the heck this thing was. 
took it to school when the semester started, I think as a freshman in high school, and showed it to my history teacher. And Oh, my God, where did you get this thing? <laughs> and uh, that was that was the very first... The camel got his nose in the tent right there. Yeah. Sure. And in fishing with my buddies in high school, I go to this place uh, right near the Kankakee River for smallmouth bass. I started finding arrowheads over there. I go, oh my God, this is it. I would really, really like to do this. Yeah. And working for the DNR, I had that opportunity. I, I met, uh, oh God, I, I met two archaeologists who had done excavations on top of Starve Rock. I, uh, our department, uh, DN, uh, not our department, I don't work there anymore, but DNR, uh, Dr. Hal Hassan is an archaeologist, Dr. Mike Wine, Dr. Terry Martin, uh, and uh, any number of these people that I've met. And uh, they've made these things come to life for right. me. Now I know a lot about that, and and uh, nothing like they know, but uh, I they're just an email away. Yeah, which oh, is really amazing. cool. So cool. And now hopefully you're just an email away from yeah, us. Yeah, so here you go. It's all yeah. networking. And networking right. is right. Well, that's great. I I think that's probably. I mean, we've talked about so many things. This is. I, I went well. <laughs> I can't say enough. This has been so fun. Good, thanks. Very, uh, good, very good. Thanks for sitting down with us. No, thanks um, for having me. You know, uh, just a, now is where we do the plug. So we know that you have a website. Mm-hmm. Okay, so people can find, and I will post links on our website for your website. Um, so and they can find you your, your email link on there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're on Facebook. Although I think you need a fan page. I was gonna recommend that. Yes. You need a fan page. <laughs> <laughs> you need any help? But yeah, you, you okay. let me know. Yeah, you should let me know. Yeah, I'm uh, I've been stumbling and uh, stumbling through it. As I could have swore I saw a comment on one of your Facebook things saying somebody was commenting like, well, "I can't believe you're on Facebook" or something yes. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, okay, so the, the, you have a website. I'll post that. It's just it's what's the website? It's just your name. Yeah, markwolzinski.com. Okay, sweet. You're on Facebook. Your books are on Amazon, or they can get them at the Starbrock Lodge. Starbrock, yeah. Or the Book Visitor Mouse, Center. Yeah. Book, Book Mouse in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, yeah, I guess that's it. Sure. Thank well, you. Thanks. Yeah, thanks well, again Well, for thank you so much, gentlemen. This, this was a lot of fun. Cool. All right. See, I, I told you it'd be fun. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Okay. Well, I guess that's, that's it. it. All right. Shut her down. Good job. back everybody i think we can all agree that was awesome yes thanks mark so much for coming to the show it was a fantastic interview you know he's got a lot of different things here you got to check out well this one's easy his website is just his name mark walzinski and so it's markwalzinski.com remember we mentioned it before but the first book starved rock state park the first 100 years and also his latest book Massacre 1769, The Search for the Origin of the Legend of Starved Rock, 
you know, you can find these books on Amazon or at Starve Rock, the Visitor's Center, or where else was the, the other book one? Mouse in Ottawa. Okay, okay. Uh, so, um, you want to spell that, John? It's, it's, I'll, I'll spell it. it it's Mark, M A R K W A L C Z Y N S K I dot com. You're going to have all the links up on our yes, website, I will. too. So you can check so, it out there. I, I did, I don't know. I felt like some people, if you're from the Illinois Valley, you should be able to spell that. <laughs> you're used to, you're, yeah, you're from the area, you're used to skis. You're right, yeah. Just so, use your imagination. It'll you'll get yeah, there. Yeah, and, and thanks to the uh, News Trib and Web Ottawa Times for some of the uh, reference material. Yeah, so, yeah, that's it's always good. Yes, I guess now we will continue with our normal stuff. Before we do that, we got to do our reads again sure. for our sponsors that we'd like to thank very much. Kramarsic Law Office. You know, we, we've we've known Doug for a long time. We can say that if you need. I know if I needed legal help, I would certainly go to Doug. He'd be the first guy I'd call. I'm hoping I can, you know, not get into any trouble, but, you know, I always know Doug's there for me. Right. Kramarsic Law, you know, he'll fight for you aggressively. He does all sorts of stuff. Like, what does he do here? DUI and traffic law, criminal defense, traffic accident, compensation, driver's license, reinstatement, sealing, and, and, and expungement. KramarsicLaw.com. Uh, he's also got a phone number here, 815-667-7100. Give Doug a call for all your legal help. And then also, we'd like to thank the Music Machine. You know, we, we went to a wedding not that long ago. The Music Machine was there kicking it, mm-hmm. putting out some awesome sounds. The dance floor was rocking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned it before, they do Dreamwave Wrestling, and that's always, you know, kicking music. Mm-hmm. Sounds great when the guys come out. They've been DJing for over 23 years. They can handle anything. Weddings, parties, charity events, and dances. Their website, very handy if you're looking for a date or find out if they're available, mmdjpros.com and uh, 815-223-6635. Thank you, Music Machine, and thank you, Kramarsic Law Office. Yeah, awesome. Now... You got any apps, Clayton? Yeah, well, I, I just downloaded this one. I haven't uh, used it that much. I tried it out. It's pretty sweet. It's the Sunday Ticket for NFL fans. That if you if you subscribe to the NFL Sunday Ticket, you get uh, access on your mobile devices. Uh, Sunday Ticket Max, I believe, and uh, okay. I got that this year. I called and negotiated at a sweet price, and they then you, know, you get the app, and you can watch any football game on your phone or iPad or computer even i believe if you have the app on there pretty sweet so if you're a football fan it's if you pay for it i mean but it's the ability to to go anywhere and watch a football game you know with the cell signal is pretty slick so if you went ahead and got the sunday ticket right you pretty much automatically should get this this app that is correct yeah well sunday ticket max there is a, a sunday ticket basic package but i don't know if anybody ever got that this year it sounded like they pretty much just upgraded everybody to the max hmm, so, cool. and that includes the red zone channel which isn't an app but is pretty awesome on sundays <laughs> okay it, it's if, if, you, if you haven't ever had a chance to sit down like for an afternoon of uh when the bears are on and you can just when that goes to commercial just go to the red zone channel it's going to have a game on there most of the time where something good's happening and then, you know, you wait, you, you have that clock in your head that says, all right, it's time to go back to the Bears game. And, or even if you've missed something, you can just go back and watch it fast forward on the DVR. That's, 
a good way to spend uh, three hours or four or six hours even watching football. And <laughs> yeah. it, it's time flies, believe it or not. So very good. Yeah. I don't, you know, the only one I was going to mention, we mentioned it over and over again, Stitcher Radio. Yeah. Uh, they actually recently had an update, which I found to be very nice mm-hmm. because they added this new listen later option. And I'm pretty sure this is Android and iOS. Um, so the listen, Stitcher, I mean, I go back and forth between Stitcher and Downcast for no apparent reason. I don't even know why I go back and forth, but I like them both. But, and I, Stitcher, this one, might have Awfully me using have trouble making decisions, John. I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> but this the, the listen later option is a cool feature they've added to Stitcher where you you're cycling through maybe some of the popular because they've got all the different menus where you can look to see what's the latest popular mm-hmm. uh, podcast that's out there or maybe an episode specifically that's really popular. Sure. Well, now you can hit the little menu button and it will have an option to listen later and it'll just add it to this menu of, of bookmarked uh, podcasts. Right. So when, so yeah, that's cool. Yeah, if you gotta like, love Stitcher. We're on there. So uh, if you if you do have a smartphone, you can download Stitcher, and that's one of the ways you can find us and listen. Yes, yes. All right. Oh yeah, I got one more, John. I guess it's I, it's the new iOS seven, the operating system for i iPhones and iTunes and. Uh, I probably does it include iPods and iPod touches and stuff? Probably. I don't think so. Not I think yet. It's just the just the Mac. I don't think they're going to. iPads. I think that's so. yeah. iPads, the Macs or whatever. Yes. This is Clayton and I are iPhone users, so this was very exciting for us. Actually, the day this rolled out, we were texting back and forth, racing to see who was going to get it first because they had a. Seemed, there was a lot of issues with downloading this operating system and it's a massive download it was like i can't remember how many megs it was but it's very Seven, big 750 or something yeah it seemed like it took it like 30 minutes at least mm-hmm. to do but yeah i like it it's cool it's smooth it's clean it's crisp um I crisp believe that's what we use to describe it, it and it i yes. don't know how else otherwise to describe it it's just nice and clean and works well uh, everything's and just, just slightly altered it seems yeah, and it's awesome. yeah, and there's some really nice features like if you slide your finger down, they've moved the search bar so that you slide your finger down. If you slide your finger up, you can bring up this really handy menu bar where you can launch a flashlight calculator, a whole bunch of just really quick link type things. And uh, I don't know if you if this was maybe just my phone, but uh, I recommend if anybody goes through and gets this new operating system to go to the sounds. An update to the new sounds. Mine didn't update automatically. It kept the old sounds. Maybe because I custom how, how do you changed find those, those sounds, John? Like, you how go, do you know they're the new sounds? Oh, you can tell. I'll show you here. I'll make it here. Yeah. You go to settings, and then you go to sounds. And then down below, say you pick one for, like, text tone. And at the very bottom of the list is classic. And that opens up another menu. Okay. And most likely, if there's a check mark next to classic, it's one of, you've got an old sound. So you want to want to do one of these new ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're, okay, we better move off yeah. this. Otherwise, we'll be playing with our phones for a while. Yeah, so, yes. That's, that's like the most basic thing, too. People who got flip phones way back in the day used to play with their ringtones. That's the first that, thing you do. That's how the, we, we go to the lowest common denominator on our phones, John. <laughs> <laughs> Look at it. Of course. Noises. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> it is cool, though. I agree with you. It, it, it just is a 
there's some new ones that are just said, I don't know, they're good. They're clean and crisp, mm-hmm. just like everything else. Right. Uh, All right, sir. Yes. Podcast. Have you have you had a chance to listen to anything? I know you don't get to as much. Uh, no, yeah, I, I do have one. I was I was in the process of typing it, and then we got all worked up about a IO seven. Um, the Adam and <laughs> Adam and Doctor Drew show is one I've been listening to more. You know, it's just like the Corolla podcast, but it doesn't have uh, Bald Bryant or, or you know anybody else. I mean, no guests or anything. It's just him talking and uh, those guys, and they get on some pretty funny subjects, and people call in. Kind of, kind of like their old Loveline radio show. So, it's good. I enjoy it. Usually, they're they're about forty five minutes, and it's it's always okay. a good pod. And I'm cool. still on my Bill Burr, and uh, you know, I I do listen to Planet Money from time to time, or This American Life, and uh, Freakonomics had a good one actually. I I I, I should mention that one as well because it was on Carpal Tunnel, and whether it, it's his real or not I would, oh okay yeah and i think they they know that in certain cases obviously there are there's an ailment or a problem but in it maybe not in all the ones that it was cracked up to be well how about you john you got anything well uh been listening with the bears playing well i've been listening to a lot of boars and bernstein especially on mondays you know uh in podcast form <clears throat> even though that's like a just a regular show on 670 listen to just as build up for this big ios 7 release i think i've been listening to a little bit more tech news today uh getting my techie fill yeah. about rumors and stuff like that okay. and there was i film sack is one i've mentioned over and over that's a frog pants scott johnson podcast uh they did one about uh, the James Bond movie Moonraker, which that was a good episode. It was the first time they they sacked a uh, James Bond movie, so that was pretty fun. But yeah, that's about it for me. I mean, but don't forget to check out uh, the other local podcasts if you're a WoW player. To check out Twizcast and uh, for some comedy podcasting, there's some Candid Radio, uh, Three the Hard Way, right? I- Idiot Gamer. Idiot Gamer, yes, if you're a video gamer. Definitely Idiot Gamer is going to be right up your alley. And then also Nerdy Directive. They're on a bit of a hiatus, but I, I think they'll be back soon, I hope. Cool. So, uh, yeah. But, yeah, that's it for pods. Yeah, I think it's time for uh, the Tweets of the Week. Tweets of the Week. Okay. We don't have a lot this week. No, but we, we got good. We have well, to we make a good. We what, yeah, what we got is good. Well, you know, if this isn't really a tweet, but it's just kind of a to recognize the overwhelming tweeting power that was caused by the Breaking Bad episode. Right. I don't know what night that was or what episode number that was, but it's what right now I don't watch it. I want to watch it. So when this happens, I have to avoid Twitter because I don't want to see something that might tip me off. But yeah, that was a flood. Everything was Breaking Bad tweets. Yep. Yeah, it's the greatest show on TV, I think, right now. So it's it would, when the folks out there that didn't watch it when it was on uh hopefully if you're a fan of television and the drama like if you're a, ever watch mad men or I, I, there's all kinds of shows like 24 and you know there's a we've been in an era of good stuff where uh lost i know people go back to and watch and kind of did you do lost john no no, no i'd like to uh, maybe. I, I don't know i'm just all the the really sopranos i guess is another you know i, I find that breaking bad's on the same level as Sopranos. okay and maybe and actually a step ahead a step above. So cool. and it's spectacular. And so it's worthy of a bazillion tweets. All right. I'll get there eventually. Uh-huh. 
Right. Like I said earlier, you, you, when you do watch it, your head will explode. <laughs> <laughs> it's that good. Nice. So, yeah, you, you, I think you should take the next one, John. Okay, uh, will do. From Nick Brubaker, at I Am Brubaker, who is a Dreamwave wrestling superstar, Coco Beware leading a dance routine to his theme music at the after party. Hashtag surreal, hashtag indie wrestling, and then a link to an Instagram video. Uh, and the video is, yeah, it's, it, it is Coco Beware at uh, Michelle's Backstreet in LaSalle. Um, did, did he have his bird with him? I don't think he had the bird, but he was uh, he was there and, and having a good time. And I didn't get to see this particular show. I would have loved to. And I would have loved to go hang out with them afterward. That's I think that's so neat when they get these, you know, these classic wrestling stars come to LaSalle and then go out and party afterward. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's neat. That's fun. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. Well, I'll take the next one, John. This is from uh, our, our friend and fan, Kevin LaFollette, at KLAFS103. He's telling us, is it time to expand at Ivy Podcast tweet of the week? And he used the hashtag T-O-T-W. How about instant Instagrammies hashtag uh, or bookies hashtag? Try, no, try <laughs> on your favorite Vine Awards, perhaps. That was also a hashtag. Broaden your horizon hashtag. So he hit us up with like five hashtags in this one. Got to give him credit, man. He's going deep. With the hashtags. He is going deep. And I think I, I responded to him that we would like self-destruct or something sure. if, or our heads would blow up if we actually tried to do that. Right. But we do appreciate where what he's are, coming what are the from. Bookies? Am I missing something? Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. So, Kevin, what's the bookies? Like our sports if you're listening, <laughs> if, you're looking, if you're listening, please help us. Right. Yeah. We're slow. I, it's funny, you know, Vine, yeah. uh, you know, I was talking it up like, what, a couple months ago? Sure. I just don't have time for it anymore. No. It's just too much. Yeah, I, I you know what, I can't try to it. catch, I'm sure like every three months or so, like there'll be like a best of the Vine, and just watch that, and yeah. that's all you need. And there'll be like okay. six minutes, and you'll get like a hundred videos. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool. Or maybe, yeah, maybe 50, and they'll, they'll play every one of them twice or something. Nice. Yeah. Well, this next one's appropriate. Sure. Is this? Oh, yeah, this is me. So uh, that's tough to read. You had to do all those hashtags. (laughs) Is it time to expand? How about, is it time to expand IV Podcast Tweet of the Week? How about Instagrammies or bookies? Try on your favorite Vine Awards, perhaps. (laughs) Broaden your horizons. He's he's telling us to step it up, I guess. I know. We'll look into it. (laughs) We'll try. All right, Sarah Evans. She is she's been getting on the tweets of the week pretty regularly lately. Uh, at PR Sarah Evans, uh, I'm geeking out about tomorrow's io7 hashtag update. Yep, I am really. I mean it. Yep, and we 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 appreciate it because both Clayton and I knew about this update, but we kind of forgot about it. And thanks to Sarah. We were all pumped up this morning and racing to get it on our phones. Right. I didn't get mine till tonight, though, so ah, I wasn't having it. Yeah. Screw iTunes and iPhones <laughs> and all that. I <laughs> no, I'm not going to. I think it's awesome. <laughs> I, I'm, if you're patient, you can handle it. Oh, I had to, I had to point this out because uh, the next tweet's from my feed. Yeah. From my strategy feed. <laughs> to get to my feed, I was actually, I typed in my... I tried to type in my strategy. handle, str- 
Strata J and an autofill put in strap on. <laughs> and I got some really interesting results. You did that on purpose. I did not do it on purpose. <laughs> 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 kind of crazy. I think you should take the next one. I'll get the last one. Okay, I'll take the next one. Yeah, so this is from my feed, uh, at ISS underscore research. This is the International Space Station uh, research handle. Uh, if you visited the International Space Station and looked out the window, you'd see scenes like this. And then it's got a link to a Vimeo video. So if you go to our, I recommend, I guess, I guess we didn't, you'd have to go to my page to find this. Yeah. Um, but it's worth it. It's so cool just to imagine what it would be like to look out a window and this, this shows you oh, what it I would love be it. like. All the lightning it's, storms and everything. It's, it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's spectacular. It's, really neat. it's neat. Yes. Yeah. Last one's you, nominated by me, so you got on the list. Oh, yeah. This is from me, uh, at C. Jaquins. I just saw an off-duty cop in a squad car, an on-duty cop in his squad car smoking a pipe. Uh, Milwaukee is a cool town. I, I, I probably could have wrote that better, but I was just, we were, I was in Milwaukee over the Sunday, Monday, just on like a pleasure trip, I guess, and we we're downtown area, and there was a cop that drove by, and he had just like an old-fashioned pipe, and... He was smoking it. You know, he could have been yeah. just been chewing on it. So I don't want to make. I just assumed he was because why else would you have it in your mouth? But yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was really weird. I was like, that's bizarre. I, I I think it's weird when I see an old guy in a truck smoking a pipe. I, I but a cop is completely out of my like. I didn't think that would happen. Yeah, that's different. Yeah, it, I, it was a it was a fun trip and it's a really neat like town. This. I recommend it. So. I always like the smell uh, out of. A pipe. Yeah, me the too. Tobacco, the tobacco smell. Right. I don't know, something about it. My dad smoked one, uh, sometimes when I was a kid, and it's one of those distinct smells. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, I don't I have know. to ask you, well, what were you going to say? No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, what's up with your Twitter account? Being You're protected. locked down. Yeah. yeah I, why, I, well, you, why are you protected? I, why you got the lockdown? What do people <laughs> want to find out about what you're doing? They can't see. You just, I don't know. I just privacy thing i think I, I think it was there was like a job uh interview job application thing and i was just kind of did a google search and i like looked at some of the things i put out there and i was like i'm gonna go ahead and put this on lockdown for a little while just to, <laughs> do you know what i mean john yeah you gotta own that well well right but there's some things shit. in there i wouldn't want to answer questions about in a in a like <laughs> hey we're, we'd like to give you a job but we read this on your twitter account there's something perverse on here and i just figured there's no reason to go through that i can yeah. change it back i guess you're right I'm just i don't know if there's actually calls. anything perverse on my twitter account there probably isn't i don't isn't. think so i don't think so maybe the strap on stuff but yeah other than that that's mainly between you and i though <laughs> yeah true so uh i yeah so that's it uh that's that's the tweets and that's the show and that's it, yeah, right? let's wrap it up. It was a good, good, good episode. So, yeah, so that was just so cool. Mark Walzinski coming on the show, first time ever we did a face-to-face -face interview. That was so neat. And thanks to the sponsors because actually, you know, we mentioned it during the interview that uh, thanks to our sponsors, we were able to get some new mics for that interview. So it worked out really nice. Kamarsik Law Office Music Machine, thank you for sponsoring this episode. What else we got? Uh, IvyPod.com, Ivy on. Yeah. At Ivy, Ivy Podcast. Pod. At, at Ivy Pod, thank you. Ivy Pod on Facebook and uh, Ivy Pod Illinois Valley Alternative Podcast on Google, like the whole thing. I 
Did I tell you Google Plus? Since I, I complained about Google Plus, I got off Google Plus because I started getting phone calls from friggin' Chinese people. Yeah. I get back on it, and now what happens? I start getting this weird spam on my Gmail account where they're trying to pretend like they're business emails, trying to lure me to click and look at some. I'm not gonna quit. I'm not gonna just jump and quit Google Plus. But I swear. It's cursed. It's cursed, yeah. yeah. Jeez. Get off there. Ugh. All right. Anyway, yeah. So um, thanks again, Mark, for coming on the show. Thanks for listening, everybody. I guess that's the show. Yep. See ya. Bye. Strap on. Awesome.